Previously on Party in Peril. I will mourn your passing as it is wholly unnecessary. And two other red beams of energy slam down from the sky, one towards the east and one towards the west. Are you ready? Ready. As ready as we're going to be. And a portal opens up in front of you. And without a second of hesitation, the room is invaded by room bots and witches slinging spells of all kinds. Out steps Master Kavela, who sweeps a hand, sending the bloody vampire across the room, slamming him into the wall. And Balaam darts out from the portal on all fours and sinks his fangs into his throat and rips his head from his body. You face death if you do not accept my offer. We can live as one, as we are. That is the alternative. We're going to stop this. We're going to stop you. And the lizard man begins to rise in the air, levitating a few feet off the ground. Try as you might. You've already lost. Even should you defeat me, you will not find bull. And you see that Shepard has already blasted him with an Eldritch Blast, and he falls to the ground. <laughs> and he's trying to, to get himself back up, and you see Sarah slam a Warhammer down on his back, and you can hear his spine shattering. And she stands up, and he starts letting out a... <gasps> You can't stop her from preventing our liberation. Shepard stomps on his skull, crushing it. You can hear a wail of anguish and rage from somewhere above, just as the rest of your friends have now arrived from the battle below. Sarah props herself up on her shield and says... We can't stop here. We have to make it to the top and retrieve the artifacts. There must be a secret door somewhere here. Everyone fanned out and find it now. So if you want a description of this this room real quick. So the, the stairway that you have entered and now your friends have come from was at the south of the room. And again, this is a really long room that looks like it functioned as like a sanctuary long ago. There are... Dozens of stone pillars and rows of two that move from uh, south to north. And to either side of those pillars are wooden pews. At the north end of the room is the pulpit. There are four statues in the room, two on the left. One is depicting a hooded figure and another is a soldier poised with a spear. The right side of the room, the other two statues um, there's a statue of a grieving woman, um, you know, kind of crying. And the other one is a knight with a raised, broken shield. There's stained glass 
windows kind of behind the pulpit showing a scene of what looks like a a massacre taking place during a wedding with a figure that actually looks quite a bit like the bloody vampire you faced earlier in this depiction he has been he's being tied up as pools of blood kind of run from his body in the um the little scenery there uh, can i do perception check what do you want to perceive like is there um, like it, it, let me know if there's like a certain thing you're wanting to look for or like, yeah, I guess like if the room is symmetrical, since it, it, it's kind of got the pillars on both sides and, and whatnot, if it's a balanced room, maybe look for anything that seems out of place on either side. I know the, the, the statues are on opposite sides from each other and it's centered by the, the pulpit with the large painting you said at the end of it it's like a stained glass window oh, kind of got design it, yeah, yeah. uh everything's pretty symmetrical about the room as far as asymmetry or symmetry stands out um i mean there's nothing really stands out about that that aspect of it let me examine the crying woman knight with the shield statue okay and just kind of start sort of feeling on it for any Anything that's loose or that could be pulled or pushed. So feeling around, you don't really, I can tell you're not going to find anything on that statue. I would like to detect magic. Okay. And sense um, any magic within 30 feet to see um, if there's an aura visibility of object that bears magic. You can see that there is some sort of magic um, aura enveloping the statue of the soldier with the spear on the left side of the room. My friends, I detect that this stone here with the spear is enchanted of some kind. And Sarah um, kind of looks over it and she's like, okay, the passage has to be here. So what do we want to do to try to get through? Can I also use fine traps? See if there's a trap around it. You do not sense any traps about this statue. So what was the thing about this one again? It's the, find the knight door. with the spear. No, I mean the statue. Uh, like, describe it. Yeah, he's a, a um, soldier. He's not a knight, but he is a soldier with a spear. And if you want, you could do a, um, if one of you wants to roll like history or something on it, you can do that. I'll do um, that. Yes, Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this because this wouldn't really be history. You guys have seen a depiction of this statue um before. A long time ago when you visited that dwarf that was kind of the the guy that knew about all the coins and stuff like that. So he was showing you this particular coin that had a soldier on it that was missing the spear. Mm. And that there was a little spear you could pull out of the coin and put in his hand. And when that happened, it opened up. This is the same type of soldier. The spear is in his hand. Um, but is as far as like how he's depicted and stuff like that, it's a very similar looking thing that you saw on that coin a long time ago. Like the same type of soldier. I go up to it. And kind of in conjunction with what I've been doing with the other statue, I start to grab towards it. But remembering that, I specifically grab the spear and see if I can move that. Pulling on the spear, the statue slowly begins moving aside across the wall. What you can see is the, the beginnings of a darkened stairway 
that would lead up. You have dark vision, right? Yep. Okay. I guess I have dark vision also if I'm still in rat form. Yep. Cool. I, don't, I wouldn't mind leading the way or even creating a flame in my hand so that other people behind me can see. Okay. So flaming sphere? Not the sphere. No, it's just the um, produced flame. Oh. Just okay. on my hand. You're back in your tiefling form. Yes. I'm assuming if you're doing... Okay. Yeah. Okay. The remains of your party make the perilous walk up the dark stairway, stepping as quietly as possible, eventually approaching the end, illuminated by the light of the giant full moon. You emerge onto the ruined top of the tower. Broken stone and all of its previous decorations and items lay strewn about, and standing on the edge of the ruin of the far wall, bathed in the yellow and blue hues of the moonlight and the night sky, stands the Vampire Queen, staring off into the distance, waiting. Her body twitches so subtly you almost miss it, and her shoulders slump just the tiniest bit, still facing away from you as she speaks. I don't suppose you're here to... Join me, are you? I'd hope the blood of my fellow Scourge would never drip from my own hands. Damn you for forcing me to do this. We could have been allies against our oppressors. Sarah says, This ends now. There's no use for senseless violence. Submit, give us the artifact made by the coins and the key and you will be given a just and honest trial. And Queen Anessa finally turns to face all of you. Her beauty is surprising and accentuated by the single tear dripping down her pale cheek from her blood-red eyes. And you can see an ornate pendant hanging from her neck, next to a key. And you recognize that this pendant is comprised of the coin that you had guarded for so long, combined with the other two just like it. No. I will not be judged by your kind. And I will not submit. You humans and Dornblooded will never understand. We're monsters because you made us monsters. And if my fellow Scourgeblood here will not defend our own cause, then I have failed them. But I will not fail the others out there. All right, for the final time, roll initiative. Cue the choir organ music for the final boss battle. Yeah. A nine on mine. <laughs> nine. Well, both of you rolled nine. Roll. Yeah, both yeah, of you have to roll, roll real quick yeah. so I can determine who's first. One. So I got an eight, so I'm first on that time. So I'm going to bump you to a 10. And this fight is going to, like the other ones, it's going to function differently than what you guys are, are used to. So you guys have a bunch of companions and stuff up here with you. I'm going to just count real quick. So you've got Stein, Grunwald, Piper, Krog, Jewel, Kavela, Balaam, Emily, Adri, Emily's mother, The Gauntlet, Sarah, 
and Shepard. Twelve, I believe. You have twelve companions up here. What's going to happen here is I will just kind of narrate what what these guys are doing during this this battle. But the only rounds are really going to be Jack Avador and the Queen. But for every companion that is still alive, she's going to take uh, two points of damage for each of them at the end of each round. For example, right now you've got 12. At the end of each round, she would take 24 damage as long as they're alive. Jack, you are at the top of the round as this battle begins. I want to use the potion of speed. Okay. So upon drinking it, I gain haste, the haste spell, which uh, until the spell ends, my speed is doubled and I gain plus two bonus to my AC and advantage on deck saving throws. And I gain an additional action on each turn. Jeez. All right. I don't know how long it lasts, though. Oh, when the spell ends, the target can't move or take action until its next turn. As a wave of lethargy sweeps over it, spell ends after one minute or ten rounds. Okay. Okay. So you're drinking a potion. What you want to do? So if I'm if I still have an action, I also want to use this Griffin Claw smeared with the Golden Icker just to start off the battle strong. I can only use it once per long rest, so this will be the only time I get to use this. Right. And when held and activated, a cipher conjures a bolt of lightning, range of a hundred feet. Uh, and does 3d6 lightning damage with the deck save that halves it if they pass. Okay. I will try her deck save to see if she passes, but she does not pass it. Roll the damage for that. 10 damage total. Not a lot, but something. Something to start it off. Yeah. So you send this, uh, you whip out this little claw and you aim it and you see this flash of lightning streak across the top of the tower hitting her by surprise and like scorching the robes in which she wears and you can see like the smoke coming off the the edges of her clothing as she grits her fanged teeth at you avador your turn all right so i will summon a lightning bolt let's see what she does uh she definitely passes the deck saving throw but you still roll your 8d6. She just takes half of whatever you roll. Yep. 24. 24 damage. Um, so she takes half of that, 12 damage. Okay. So you guys have both hit her with some lightning and stuff, and she's she's not having a good time with that. She doesn't like she doesn't like what you're what you're slinging at her. Um, and so she is going to she's gonna send a a just a a blaze of chaotic fire energy at you guys. And so she's unleashing this little small inferno of flame and it is unpredictable. So I do have to roll a um, D10 to see what happens um, along with it. Okay. So she would be doing 12 damage. Can I still do the uncanny dodge reaction on that? Cause it just says attack. It doesn't say melee attack or anything. Yeah. You can still do that. Okay, she's going to take an additional because you have so many um, people still alive. She takes 24 damage um, in addition um, because of your allies still around. Um, but with that blast that she just did, Stein and Grunwald are both in, in very, very poor health, both bloodied for sure. 
Uh, well, they were already bloody, but now they're both in, in pretty dire straits. Jack, your turn. So I have a um, potion of poison if they drink it. So never mind. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> Just like, hey, I bet this tastes good. Why don't you try it? <laughs> well, it's like it, it says it looks like a healing potion, but if you drink it, it's poison. So it's like you could fool people with it, but I'm pretty sure she's not going to trust me to give her a healing potion right now. Let's see. I'll just pull out my bow and take a shot at her. Okay. Does a 17 hit? It does not hit. Ooh, dang. Okay. Well, I get two actions. So let me do that again since I okay. have my speed thing. Well, then a 16 doesn't hit either. <laughs> it does not. All right. No. So I take two shots. Yeah. Both uh, just go right past her. So Jack just fired off two two bolts. Neither were able to hit her. She is incredibly fast. Okay. Do you remember what that artifact weapon you had was or whatever? I know I have the cloak. Yeah, the Staff of Woodlands. Yeah. What does that do? I can make a tree out of it. Hey. <laughs> That's what I was reading. I was like, I, I don't know that I can do anything. I thought that there was something like you could, I don't remember. I thought it had like multiple uses. So this staff can be wielded as magic quarter staff that grants a Plus two bonus to attack and damage rolls made with it while holding it. You can plus two bonus to spell attack rolls. The staff has 10 charges for the following properties. It regains 1d6 plus four expanded charges daily at dawn. If you expend the last charge, roll a d20. On a one, the staff loses its properties and becomes a non-magical quarter staff. Spells. You can use an action to expand one or more of the staff's charges to cast one of the following spells from using it. Animal friendship, awaken, bark skin, locate animals or plants, speak with animals, speak with plants, or wall of thorns. You can also use an action to cast the pass without trace spell from the staff without holding, use any charges in tree form. You can use an action to plant one end of the staff in fertile earth and expand one charge to transform the staff into a healthy tree. The tree is 60 feet tall and has a five-foot diameter trunk at his branches. Uh, the tree appears ordinary, but radiates a faint aura of transmutation magic if targeted by detect magic. So I don't think I can use it for this. I mean, you could use it just to hold it so you would get the plus to your spell casting. So just Okay, I will cast Shard of Hazelwood, Scarred by Lightning, a hazelwood shard scarred by lightning when held and activated. The cipher conjures an area of daylight for 1d6 rounds. Okay. Two. Okay. Two rounds. You use that shard, and you guys were who were in full moonlight and everything and, and nighttime. Um, all of a sudden, the area surrounding this tower, it becomes daylight. Jack, you turn back into your regular form for the moment, and... Anessa hisses and you can see like her skin starts to burn a little bit and she is uh, fighting um, amidst the others. So like with with the rest of your group there, like a picture her almost Dragon Ball Z style fast, you know, like um, zipping around and attacking everybody and they're slashing back at her and all kinds of stuff. But this you can tell has definitely slowed her down a bit and is is definitely um ain't feeling great so with that done um she's gonna take um the damage she would from your um your friends 
She takes 24 damage, and it is now her turn. Avador, your friend Balaam. Um, Anessa points her her finger at the lycanthrope that kind of taught you uh, more about your druidic magic and, and how things function. And she says one word, Philine. And he starts coughing and, and coughing and coughing. And he hits the ground and blood is spattering from his mouth. And you can see chunks of bone and, and things coming out of, of his mouth. And he falls to the ground unmoving. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go and is she still enough that I could run up to her and try to attack? Okay. If I hit, I want to try to do a sneak attack. Nope. On the scimitar. Well, tell me how uh, much How much did you roll? Uh, I, on the first one, I rolled a 13. Hits. Ooh, interesting. And the second one, I rolled a 16. Hits. So, okay. So then scimitar, 9, 4, then my 46. 25 total damage. All right. Nice. Avador, your turn. I guess my thing goes for another round, right? Because it's two rounds. Mm -hmm. Could I use the flame blade with the staff? You evoke a fiery blade in your free hand. The blade is similar in size and shape to a scimitar, and it lasts for the duration. If you let go of the blade, it disappears, but you can evoke the blade again as a bonus action. Oh, yeah. You can use, yeah? Yeah, you can use that. Would I use it in conjunction with the staff? You just hold the staff in one hand and the flame blade in the other. Okay. Why not? So you can use your action to make a melee spell attack with the fiery blade. On a hit, the target takes 3d6 fire damage. So while holding my staff of the woodlands, it would give me a plus two on my spells, and I will cast Flame Blade. I will use a higher level four slot. The damage increases by one d6. For every slot above the second level, which so you're two levels above. Oh my god. So it's two d6 increase on that three d6, so that means five d6 damage. Man. Oh my god. All right, so roll to hit. Roll to hit. I'll roll 20 plus. And your two hit is your spell to hit plus that two because of the staff you have. Right. So it'll be a plus eight. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, 17 plus eight. Is that 25? Yeah, that's, that hits. That hits really hard. That's <laughs> good. You're good. All right. So we Do hit her. Thing. And Okay. So let's see. 18. 18 total? Yes. Jeez. All right. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> you did some damage there. That's not. Cool. That's and not this will last for one hundred rounds. <laughs> Ten minutes, so hundred <laughs> rounds. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So that's her turn. She's going to. So as your your friends are fighting against her too, she takes that extra twenty four, or not twenty four. Now it's down to twenty two damage because um, Balaam has since passed on. Okay, it's her turn. She grips the the um, pendant around her neck. Come to me. And then you see these red pillars of light flash on either side of this tower. 
And both of the giant statues that used to be known um, as the, the West Trap and the East Trap that you guys had kind of seen before, um, that were laying waste to other parts of the, the land while you guys were fighting, are now there. And one of them um, reaches down and slams a hand into the tower. Everybody make a um, dexterity saving throw real quick. 25. Okay. 11. 11. Okay, so, um, you are knocked prone for the next round. Just about everyone except for, uh, let's see, Jack, Shepard, Emily, Gauntlet, they all are still standing. So you won't get a whole lot of help from the allies on this next one. And she's going to attack. Um, she's going to go for you, Jack. She's going to come in for a, a big old bite from you, buddy. She's going to bite you. Well, she's going to miss. Um, <laughs> I think. Wait, what's your AC right now? 14. Oh, never mind. She hits. Dang. Ah, okay. Um, she's coming in for a bite. And so, 16 damage. Uncanny dodge, so half that. And then I also need you to do a constitution saving throw for me. Constitution. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Because you did the one thing, we're going to say that no, no, like what what she was going to try to do isn't going to work because it's basically a glancing blow with the fangs. Yeah. Um, Because of it not sinking all the way. So. Okay. All right. It would be Avador's turn, but she is prone for this round. You, Avador, you will be able to get up and fight after this. Is there a way that I can grab the necklace from around her neck, the pendant? Oh, you can definitely try. Let me try. Uh, 18. Does not make it. I'm going to try again because I have two actions. Oh, man. Okay. 24. No. Oh, man. Dang. Okay. So close. So close. I, I can tell you right now, 25 would have been what you needed. Yeah. I had that. Well. I had planned just in case with that being your um, your attacks, and they both failed. The two rounds are up. The sunlight spell that, that had been going is now faded back into darkness. Jack, you are now transforming again into a were-rat. Avador, you are able to get up. And now it's not just Anessa, but the two Celestials are here. At this point in the match, Sarah and Shepard will also be fighting, like will actually be using their skills and things like that in addition to you guys. You see one of the the Celestials, the other one this time, has reached out and has ripped this, this basically chunk of the tower away and thrown it back down towards the lot of the group. Most of them were able to get out of the way, but Captain Stein, who was already injured from um, other parts of the battle, was not able to get away, and it lands on him, and there is no getting up from that. Anessa is going to... She is summoning mage armor, so that is giving her a plus to her AC. So she's not attacking you this this round, but now she's going to be harder to hit. We're going to have uh, Sarah go next. And Sarah, like, in, in horror at seeing Captain Stein just basically destroyed, just 
smashed by this giant piece of building. Sarah is going to look your way, Jack. Um, she's going to cast Shield of Faith upon you. Um, so that's going to give you plus two bonus to your AC. Oh, wait a minute. I've already got a, an extra plus two also from my haste that I haven't been considering. So Nice. Okay. Avador, your turn. All right, so I still have my flame blade, uh, and I'm close enough still to her. I'm still within range. Yes. And it's 19 plus 8. So 27. That hits, correct? That hits. 19 damage. Um, Shepard is going to be going now, and Shepard is going to... He has this one rapier, and then he is using something called Shadow Blade. So he's summoning a um, shadowy sword... That's very similar to like what Avador is doing with the flame blade, but this is like this shadowy thing that does psychic damage. And so he's going to summon that at third level so he can try to do 3d8 damage. Uh, not for a lot of damage though, um, but he does 11 damage. Now, Jack, your turn. Okay, I'm going to go for the grabbing of the necklace again. Okay. Uh, sleight of hand. Uh, nope on the first one. Come on. Nope on the second one. Dang. Buddy, I, what are you even doing? I, I, <laughs> I just... Oh, dang. One of the Celestials reaches down and grabs Grunwald and picks him up out of the air and starts squeezing. And we'll have to kind of come back to that and see what's going to happen, but it's not fun for him so far. Queen Anessa is going to attack Shepard. So she's going to use her multi-attack, and she's going to use her unholy bastard sword, Mm -hmm. which is a thing, and a bite. Shepard takes a whopping total of 20 damage. Shepard is bloodied. Sarah is also bloodied, by the way. I forgot to call that out when she was there. Um, Okay. It's actually Sarah's turn. Sarah's gonna try to heal herself really quick. This takes forever. D&D Beyond, maybe speed things up. Okay, heals herself for nine. She's still bloodied, but it's a little bit better than where she was. Gonna go again with my flame blade, rolling my D20, 14 plus eight, 22. That hits. Rolling my D6 five times, 15. The queen is definitely bloodied. We'll have Shepard go next. He's going to cast um, Vampiric Touch. Okay, so he gets four hit points back for dealing eight damage. Jack. Okay, I'm going to (laughs) do some stabby stabs. I'm not going to try to grab that thing anymore because that's not been going well. So let me roll here. Does a a five hit? No. Okay, so Simtar misses. Uh, I assume a 21 does though. That hits. Okay, yes. so dagger hits. Let me roll that. Okay, so 17 total damage with this dagger Oof. sneak attack. Back towards the top of the round. Oh wait, I'm not. I'm not okay. done. Sorry, I get. Oh yeah, you I have more two. attacks now, don't yeah. you? Fuck. Let me. Uh, <laughs> let me attack again. Uh, scimitar misses again. Okay, dagger hits again. I can only do the sneak attack once per round. I think. Yeah, once per turn. Okay, so one extra damage with the dagger. I just glancing blow her with that thing. Got it. Now I'm done. All right. (laughs) With that done, Celestial that had grabbed Grunwald from the the top of the tower, um, you can hear like the the armor 
of his his plate mail start to creak and groan, and then he stops struggling as the fist clenches, and you can see the celestial throw him away. Jeez. The other celestial is going to slam his hand down on the top of the tower. I need everybody to do a dexterity saving throw. Twelve. Okay. Eleven. You guys pass. Piper, Krog, and Shepard all failed and take quite a bit of damage. Shepard is at zero hit points. Mm. We will do death saving throws for both him and Sarah since they've been like a part of this big journey. So they won't just go away like the others. Queen Anessa is going to go for Avador. She's going to come for you this time. Okay. She's just going to do a straight up um, multi-attack against you with her sword and her bite. So one missed, but one was a crit. So the crit was with her sword, 26 damage. Uh, That kills me. So you're at zero hit. So you're not dead, dead, but you're at zero hit points. It's Sarah's turn. And she is going to have to make a decision on who she can save. She's going to use Spare the Dying on Avador. So Sarah sees both Shepard and Avador go down, neither getting back up. And she is torn about what to do. And she's looking at both of you and and finally she makes her decision and kind of mutters asking for forgiveness under her breath. And she runs over to Avador and she touches you and you are stabilized. So you don't have to do a death save right now, but you definitely are going to need to get some some health back because you are stable. You can fight, but you are at zero hit points. So you're going to have to do something quick. I lose my flame blade and all that. Yeah, you can always resummon that. All right, so I will cast a cure wounds, and a creature I touch, I will touch myself, <laughs> will regain a number of hit points equal to one d eight, and I will Jack shields his eyes, and I'll use my higher levels, which is the third slot. Use third slot, okay. Um, so I will roll a total of. So I'm rolling three D8. Uh, do I add three at the end or at three at, like at at, from at each the, roll? At the end. At the end? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 19 is how much cool. uh, health I get back? Yeah. Okay. Good. So you have healed up. Shepard is going to do his first death saving throw and does not pass. All right. Jack, your turn. Uh, I'm going to go for some, after seeing this and seeing all of this happening with Avatar going down and then being rezzed by Sarah, I, I run over to uh, the, the Vampire Queen and start attacking again. And I've still got my haste for five more rounds, actually. Nice. Ugh. No on the first one. What the heck? No on the second one. Okay, so... All right, first round of attacks, nothing. Second round of attacks. Okay. Does a 15 hit? Yes. Okay, and then no on that. Wow. Okay, so the scimitar hits. 
four. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight, plus. Okay, so 22 total damage with the sneak attack scimitar. Um, the Celestials, one of them is going to rip a piece from the tower away, and the tower is like really starting to crumble apart at this point. And he's going to throw that down. Everyone make a deck saving throw. 18. Okay. 17. Okay, you two pass. Master Kavela takes quite a bit of damage from that one. He is not dead, but he is bloodied. Parts of the wall have have kind of like crumbled and slammed against him, piece of it hitting his head. Um, so you can see like a little rivulet of blood running down his head. In addition, Jewel has taken some damage and you can see that her body is kind of dented up quite a bit. Um, but th those are the two that, that took the damage there. Queen Anessa is going to go for Sarah. And that is a hit for her sword. Sarah goes down. Hmm. Sarah! <laughs> Avador, it's your turn. All right. So I need to wield my flame blade again. Okay. And I still have my staff with me. So you just bonus action that flame blade, just whoosh, whip mm -hmm. it right back out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. So I'm going to go for our lady friend again. Mm. 19 plus 8. That hits. All right. 11. 11. Shepard does his next saving, death saving throw, and he fails. Jack. Is there a way I can, like, force feed Avador a greater healing potion on my turn? Or just, like, toss it to her? You can tell her to uh, open her mouth. <laughs> and then you can use her action to pour it down her, her gullet. Okay. <laughs> Let me do that. Avador, open up! <laughs> <laughs> As I'm holding out the okay. potion. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I'll right. pour it down her throat. And that's uh how much is that gonna 44 plus four damage. Let me roll it out. Fourteen total healed. And you get two attacks, right? Or... Yeah, two actions. So my next one. Okay, I'll, so there's one. Yeah, I'm gonna do my just attacks on Vampire Queen. Okay. Uh does a eight hit? No. Okay, dagger. Dang. Uh, 11. Yes. Okay. Dagger hits 17 to the dagger hit with the sneak attack. She readies a spell, disintegrate. And at random, she throws it and it hits Master Kavela. Hmm. Father! You can see this this thin green uh, ray just kind of spring from the fingers that she's throwing out, um, just kind of blindedly in, in this rage that she's in. Um, it hits Master Kevela, who gets thrown against a uh, side of the wall, and before he can say anything, he is reduced to atoms. You bitch. So I'm gonna roll again my D. 20. To avenge my father. Whoa. 28. Nat 20, though. 
So you oh get a my. crit. She got a crit? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess. I oh, mean, because a nat 20 dang. is always a crit, right? Yes, yes. That's okay. always a crit. Holy crap. So how do, right. we, how do we judge crits again? Uh, so the crit is max damage plus another roll. Okay, so five times six. So 30 damage plus another roll of the d6. I guess it would be the whole attack. Okay, so roll 5d6. Oh, man. Yep. Plus 30. So 43 damage. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Avador. Yeah? How does this end? (laughs) You tried to get me to cry for my family, and my family was him. He was my father. I will not cry for your ashes, but I will avenge his death. I will swipe the flaming blade straight through her neck and just kind of like clean it straight off. All right. With with a, a scream as she sees it coming. The flame blade swipes right through the the neck of the vampire queen. And for just a split second, you can see, Avador, the look of terror in her eyes just before they roll back in her head and her body disintegrates with the artifact that she was wearing around her neck hitting the ground and the celestials suddenly stop their assault on the tower and pause the moon suddenly starts to disappear and fill with daylight but the the red beams surrounding the celestials still remains intact what do you what do you want to do from here If the necklace is still there, I want to retrieve that, the artifact. You pick it up, Jack, and gripping this pendant, it feels as though time freezes. And an icy chill moves from your hand through your body. And then it burns, but it feels like ecstasy, like you feel power. And the red energy is now connecting with you, and you can feel the two celestials on either side of the tower as if they were like your own arms. And you know that with them, you could do anything. You could destroy anything or everything. You could ravage the world until it is a smoldering cinder. Or you could systematically wipe out entire cities one by one. This power is just pure malice and destruction. Charisma saving throw. Oh. Uh, crit fail. With the the power surging through you, you feel as if this is meant to be like I should be controlling this power and the others are trying to to get up after this this battle's over the queen is dead and now they see you like pulsating with this energy and they can see in your eyes that you are about to destroy everything 
so much power. Jack, give it here. Let it go. No, I, I, I can handle it. I can, I can be in control. Jack, you are human. Let it go. No. Somebody take it away from me. Get it out of my hands. Sarah and Shepard are, are making their ways to their knees. They're both extremely injured, but they see what's going on. And they give each other a quick nod of respect. And they run at you. Shepard grabs the pendant from you. You feel all this power ripped away, and it is very depressing feeling. But Shepard's grabbing it, and you can see that the the energy is just ripping through his body now, and you can see his eyes light up, and you can see the Celestials begin to move like they're about to attack. And then you can see Sarah slam her warhammer down across the side of Shepard's neck. And you see Shepard's lifeless body hit the ground. Sarah brings her warhammer down on the pendant, breaking it. It's been a long, long, strange adventure with all these twists and turns for not only us, but the characters. And this being the end and being a very surprising way for it to go, to be honest. Um, it's bittersweet ending this thing, but it's not going to end right here because that would suck, right? So, after the what is now known as the Awakening event that changed the world forever once the Celestials were reawakened into the world, the survivors of that heroic battle paid their respects to those that were no longer with them. And after a period of mourning and healing, eventually moved forward with their lives that they were gifted with. And we find them again, years later. The halfling, Piper Tealeaf, wanders through the newly rebuilt Golden City, navigating her way through a maze of merchants and rich men Occasionally, a hand flicks out and brushes against a brightly colored robe, and after some time, she approaches a small horse tied to a post near a tavern at the outskirts of the city. She hops on and rides off through the gates down a long gravel road before veering off into the forest. Approaching a small glade, she unties the horse and leads it to a pool of water. Then Piper tosses a grappling hook up and over a thick limb of a large tree and climbs, pulling herself into a small, single-room treehouse. There she stops for a moment, staring at the broken bow hanging from the wall over her bed, just before pulling several newly acquired pouches from her pocket and counting the gold coins within, remembering her friend Elros and how he would have smiled at the haul that she just made. The orc Krog sits alone at a table with a drink in hand within the Black Goat Tavern. 
moves his eye patch aside and scratches at the scar beneath. Placing it back, he nods at the bartender to keep the drink flowing. Out of the corner of his eye, he sees a young boy in fancy clothes. Krog pauses for a moment in surprise before realization sets in. The boy notices his stare and approaches him. You're awful scary looking. Why are you staring at me? You just remind me of a boy I knew years ago, before the awakening. Where is he now? The bartender approaches with some more drink, but Krog actually waves it away this time, and instead motions for the boy to sit with him. Are you a brave little one? He asks the boy, and the boy shrugs. Well, I have a story about the bravest boy I've ever known, if you'll sit and listen for a while. Sarah walks down a long hallway and enters the former throne room, now the table at which the Council of Highguard sits. She stares at her companions already seated at the table, and... Sir Alexander, the gauntlet, nods back in respect. And Sarah says, I'm pleased to inform you all that the negotiations with the remaining vampires have been successful, and peace may actually be established. We also have word of a newly discovered tiefling village, in which we've sent an ambassador to offer food and goods. Should they not accept, we will leave them be, but... The Templars of Light will remain an available resource should they ever call on us for aid. Now the reason I've called you all here, there's rumors of more strange objects having fallen from the sky and infected more villages near the western lands near Brindlebrook. I have dealt with this before and I will lead the Templars on a campaign myself. But the borders near Aslam are to be respected. We will not tolerate persecution of any kind. And the others nod in agreement, and they go on with their plans of providing aid and justice for those that seek it. And with that, what does five years from that incident look like for Avador? Avador has returned home in where she was raised by her father making it a school of education for all welcomed, not just her and her sister. She even creates a statue of Shepherd, making it part of a riddle in order to go inside the school. And everyone is honored with either an image of a battle or something from their journey along the way. So she honors her friends and her family by continuing this school for all who are welcomed. And as you watch some of the new students kind of filter in through the school, you see your sister Jewel wandering around and and kind of like sort of like running up to each of them and kind of looking at them sort of funny, like examining them. And you hear some of the girls uh, and and boys coming in kind of snicker a little bit at at such a strange 
metal person running around and, and looking at everybody coming in. And Indigo pops into uh, pops into the area and he's like, ah, keep on moving, you little brats. I'll give you something to gawk at if you don't stop it. And then Indigo kind of swirls around and flutters down and <laughs> lands on your shoulder, Avador, and he says, good job, kid. He'd be proud of you. I think so, too. And Jack, this probably hits you the hardest out of everybody, what happened. So five years from the event, what does it look like for Jack? So I think that my my initial thought is that I would follow Sarah wherever she ended up. And it sounds like that she and Sir Alexander have sort of restructured things in Highgard. Being five years later, I think my character, I think I said it was 15. So I would be early. I would be 20 now. But in the in that time, I would have helped her with some charity work uh, if there were an orphanage tied to this or something of that sort then I would have helped entertain the children like combat is the last thing on my mind I have dropped all of that no more thievery or anything because I don't need to do that any longer to sustain myself so I think that for the most part it would just be for the sake of entertainment I would use my my dexterity perhaps to the juggling that I've been working on I now use that to entertain <laughs> the children and really assist Sarah and Sir Alexander now, who I've come to respect uh, in whatever needs they might have for me. As you, you've you kind of done that, we'll say, like, we can see you right now, um, kind of in an orphanage right now, kind of entertaining some of the kids, doing some of the juggling and stuff like that. As you're kind of juggling, you can hear, like, a little, a little meow, and you can look over and you see this small little shadowy black cat and across the room, who has also been kind of entertaining some of the children with with silly little tricks and stuff like that, you see Emily. And she kind of just smiles and nods at you from across the room. And with that, the two of you, listeners and dear friends, we say... So long to our first campaign, The Celestial Odyssey. We hope you've enjoyed listening, and we promise this is not the end of the podcast. Mm -hmm. After some weeks off, we will be back with a brand new campaign with a new story, new characters, and many, many more laughs. And I hope that you guys are looking forward to it and and will join us for that. So um, I have been your dungeon master for at least this half of the campaign. (laughs) Chris. I have been your uh, feisty little 15-year-old thief, Joseph. And I have been your first-time D&D tiefling, should I? And you'll be hearing from us again very soon.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Party in Peril. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends or digi friends on social media and use the hashtag NerdSloth so we can thank you for your support. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, uh, give us a rating, all those things that can help out the show. It's like rolling a nat 20 every time. See you next episode. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, catch us on YouTube and Twitch or visit us at nerdsloth.com.